Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jay Kokorowski. we got the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski here. Happy Thursday evening. Thanks for tuning in. You guys probably just saw the Wisconsin Badgers beat down the Iowa State Buckeyes 89-66. A big game, big comeback game after their disappointing loss, 66-55 to Purdue on Sunday afternoon. Uh, and uh, just quick group from what it looks like, Bronson Canning, 21 points, 5 of 7 from 3-point range. You also had Nigel Hayes, 15 points, 3 rebounds. Ethan Happ, only 6 points but 11 rebounds. Uh, Nigel Hayes also had 4 assists uh, as well. So, uh, I, like I said, I'm Jake Okorowski. we got the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski. We're going to talk Wisconsin Badgers in just a second with some breaking news. We'll talk Green Bay Packers, the big wild card win against the New York Giants. They decimated Eli Manning, uh, Odell Beckham, and the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon in, uh, in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. We'll talk about their matchups against the Dallas Cowboys uh, and also preview the rest of the NFL uh, and see if the New England Patriots will continue to think. I think, in my opinion, we'll probably uh, make it to the uh, Super Bowl, but obviously we'll see based on some of their uh, the challengers ahead in the coming weeks. Uh, and we'll talk some Milwaukee Bucks after we talked with the Eric name last week from ESPN Milwaukee about Giannis and that game-winning shot. Uh, kind of a rough st- stretch, but the Bucks rebounded. We'll, we'll talk about their victory down in San Antonio. But uh, real quick for people, uh, first off, let me just talk to Scotty real quick. Scotty, happy birthday again, good my good man. How was your birthday weekend? Uh, it was it was fine. It was uh, fairly low key, but uh, capped off with the you know the Packers getting a victory. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was. Uh, Exactly what I was looking for, you know, what might not go down in the annals of the super most exciting times, but got to spend time with the family and enjoy myself. So, that a boy, that's awesome, good to hear. And uh, with that, in this new year, uh, it looks like Wisconsin Badgers could be looking at its third defensive coordinator in three seasons. Dave Aranda, of course, left early last year to take the defensive coordinator position at LSU. In comes in Justin Wilcox. He does not miss a beat. In my opinion, I think maybe he does a more impressive job what he did this year. Uh, and with that, uh, with just some of the numbers, with that Wisconsin Badgers defense, uh, number seven, I believe, total defense tied for second in the nation in interceptions. Also, kudos to Jimmy Leonard, the defensive backs coach, former All-American, former Washington, of course, uh, but also just third down efficiency among top five, a top five player there, or top five team. Uh, that's actually third, or fourth in uh, third down conversion defense, third in rushing defense, fourth in scoring defense. They only allowed 15.6 points per contest, uh, seventh in And so Wilcox actually coached linebackers at Cal back in from 2003 to 2005. And according to Fox Sports' Bruce Feldman, Piers Cal has now entered into contract negotiations with the career assistant. And Wilcox is about 40 years old, uh, and he has a defensive acumen uh, and being a defensive coordinator from Boise State to Washington to Tennessee to USC, uh, and then obviously did a great job 
leading the defensive unit in 2016 for Wisconsin. And, and Scotty, we'll touch base on this, and obviously until it becomes official, we won't really kind you know, we can talk a little bit about this uh, more, but it's it's a obviously it's it's a bump up. It's not a lateral move where Aranda went to uh, where he went you know, to LSU. Granted, he got a lot more money. Uh, at one point, I think the Feldman reported 1.3 million last year. Now, I think he's up. I think there are reports out there saying one point uh, underneath Ed Ordron's staff. Uh, but you know, it, it is it. Are, are you concerned at all about this? I mean, I, I think. The defense is in good hands with, with you have Tim Tibisar as the outside linebackers coach. You have Jimmy Leonard as the defensive backs coach, and you have Anoki Brechterfield as a defensive line coach. Like really solid assistance there. But it, it's just, I mean, it, it's a step up as a head coach. You're leading the program. But are are you worried at all uh, about the well, sports? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, aren't, isn't every assistant's uh... every assistant wants to be a head coach? So I mean, you can't fault them for leaving that way. Um, you know, what they do, I mean, I think the way this scheme is set up, they need to promote from within uh, whoever that is out of the, the people you just mentioned. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know he's, he's, he's still young to the coaching. Uh, I, I actually like to see Leonard get this, this spot, but you got to expect this when you're successful, you know, in any major conference, be it big 10, Pac-12, the SEC, when you're successful either as an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, you are you want, you know, your number one goal is to become a head coach. Number two goal is to maybe stay where you are and keep being successful. But if if, if a job in a big conference comes knocking, of, co- of course he's going to take it. And, and you, you know, you, you can't fault him. You, you, you talked about the, the past, the history he has at Cal anyway, the place he's been before. No, I mean you can't be concerned. If 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 you're a good program, if you're a solid program, this stuff doesn't concern you. You expect it. You expect to lose good coaches to promotions and a better job, and then you hope that you have people within to take the step up to fill his spot. And you just keep that going when you have a system like that. You just keep on bringing the next guy up from the system to take over the next position as they bump up. So. If this program, this defense is good, they're young, they got a lot of returning players, if they're as good as they've shown they are and as we think they can be, yes, you give credit to the coaching staff, but you also got to believe in the players you have in the system. And I think in the end, it'll be fine. I mean, look look how worried everybody was with Aranda leaving. And uh, you might could argue they were better this year than they were the year before. Yeah, I, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with that schedule that Wisconsin faced this season and the numbers that they put up. And Wisconsin's defense, obviously, underneath Aranda in 2013 was good. 2014, very good. 2015, I'd say great. Uh, this year, astounding. Uh, you know, even better. And you look at the fact that 11 Badgers defenders earned some form of all-conference honors this past season, either from first-team All-Big Ten to honorable mention. You know, T.J. Watt, who's now declared the outside linebacker uh, for the NFL draft. Consensus first-team all-conference selection. Watt earned uh, first-team All-American selections uh, by ESPN Sports Illustrated. Uh, you know, Soldier and Shelton, first-team honors on defense by the media. But you also, you know, you had other defenders as well, Vince Beagle. Uh, you had T.J. Edwards. Yeah, like I said, it all ranged from, from first-team mm-hmm. uh, down to um, honorable mention. So, you know, you had those defenders there. Uh, and like I said, I think the position, they're in good position. They, they lose Beagle and Watt at outside linebacker. They have, they still have their defensive line, which is a solid unit. 
uh, a lot of starts between Alec James, Chikwe Obashi, and uh, Olive Sagapolo and Connor Sheehy, those four. And then you're following that two deep with Garrett Rand, and then also uh, nose to tackle, and then uh, Billy Hirschfeld from uh, Heartland Arrowhead there rounding out the, the top six uh, out of that group. But inside linebackers, they'll be good too. And the secondary, yeah, you lose Musso uh, and Shelton, but uh, you know, Shelton, I remember in an interview said that he expects the secondary to be even better. Uh, and and sure. according to, I think, you know, so uh, as long as Jimmy Leonard, I think, is a secondary coach, you're going to see a, just that high uh, level of success there uh, in the way he teaches. And, and you hear glowing reviews from Rex Ryan when I talked to him for the book about how he was the quarterback for the defense. He talked about the, you know, the, the fact how well he knows defenses and how he can scout offenses. Uh, I you know, I, right now, I mean, and I agree with you. I think there's some form of discussion, like do they promote from within? Mm-hmm. Tim Tidisar is a former defensive coordinator and has done a remarkable right. job right. with the outside linebackers, with, with T.J. Watt and then also Garrett Dooley and, and now Zach Bond uh, starting to work their way up. You also have, uh, you know, Jimmy Leonard, you know, if, if, if he has that IQ, uh, you know, could he down the road or would he even get a look now? Uh, that's something to really uh, look into uh, if this report comes, you know, comes to fruition, and if Wilcox does leave the head back to the West Coast. So, uh, I, I, you know, I think fans yeah. finishing off with some of what we talked about, Scotty, too. Like, you know, looking at the, at the website at Bucky's fifth quarter, it, some people aren't as as worried. Maybe I would say it's, you know, obviously it, it stinks to lose uh, another coordinator, but like you mentioned, you know, you're successful. People are going to try to. Uh, emulate that and, and try to use that with bringing those assistants up and promoting them and trying to lead a program and, and you will mm-hmm. have those connections to the West coast coast. So uh, I, I think right. it's not the all, you know, abandoned ship type feel that fr- that fans felt with Aranda and just this huge drop off uh, last year. And it was proven that players uh, could make the defense succeed. And you had Wilcox as the right coordinator uh, and you had just a, the right assistants at those position groups to make it happen. So uh, sure. obviously stay tuned about the fifth quarter and make sure you guys, you know, check in with us. Once uh, we'll, you know, this does come up, we'll have our full coach uh, defensive coordinator search version 3.0 coming up down mm-hmm. the road. And uh, we'll let you guys know what we, uh, you know, what we hear and, and what we can report from there. Uh, but yeah. And maybe we can turn our attention to the Packers though. Let's, let's talk yeah. some yeah. Bay Packers, uh, big game coming up. Sunday, another late afternoon start down deep in the heart of, tra- uh, of Texas. Travis Frederick, former Badger Center. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously a huge name, running back out of the Ohio State University. And then Dak Prescott, the rookie quarterback. Two rookies in that offensive backfield for the Dallas Cowboys and a, a really well-respected offensive line. Take, you know, and, and then you have, of course, uh, the Packers and, and with that defense that yeah. they did against New York, it, it's an interesting matchup. It, I think the first thing. Well, it's uh, it's the best it's the best offensive line in football in Dallas, and and uh, we'll get into some of that here. Just recapping a, a big win for the Packers against the Giants. Uh, all you know, first half actually the first twenty eight minutes the Packers looked abysmal offensively, and defense actually set the tone as you mentioned, kept the minute. Then Aaron Rodgers started to look like Aaron Rodgers. And what, what's nice about that game, as opposed to some of the other games at different parts of, of the year, and especially in the first 10 games, 
when they would start out that poorly, they would end up that poorly. This this game, they're able to flip the script. They got the win. Great win for them. Now, Dallas is a different story. And, you know, there's a part of me that feels like the only hope the Packers have to beat Dallas, especially when you look at how Dallas dismantled them earlier in the season in Green Bay. Okay. That being said, uh, the Packers were in a different place back then as opposed to where they are now. And they're obviously playing better. But some some part of me thinks that the only way they win this game is if Zach and, Zach and Dak, Zeke and Dak, Go back, look, start looking like rookies because it's their first playoff game and they, they have some of the case of the yips. Otherwise, they look unbeatable at times offensively. Their defense has played way better than people expected it to play, I think, at the beginning of the year. And because of that, they've been, uh, they've been um, the, the story of the, of the NF, at least the NFC. Um, but Packers are playing better. I, I think we'll, we'll see. I, I still think Dallas. I still think Dallas wins this game. Nope, you there, Scotty? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay, sorry about that. I'm here. My uh, connection kicked that over there. You know, Hello? You, the vic- you know, the victory on, on Sunday. And and what – how much of the effect of, uh, I mean, of losing Jordy Nelson is going to – I mean, if he doesn't play, huge. would that be the offense? It, it's huge. Look, Cobb had a great game. And Devontae Adams has been a better receiver than Packer fans want to give him credit for because they want to treat him like Jermichael Finley. But all that being said, it doesn't matter. Jordy Nelson's your best receiver. And without him, like I said, if Jordy Nelson were playing, maybe this game, maybe I think the Packers have a better shot. I think without Nelson, I think it's tough. I, I think they're going to have a really tough road uh, to, try, to try to win this game. Yeah, I mean, and look at the injury report right now. You have uh, looking at ESPN.com, you have James Starks, obviously questionable. Jordy Nelson's questionable. Jeff Janis uh, on the injury list as of yesterday with a questionable. Uh, and J. Bone Elliott and T.J. Lang, uh, both questionable as of today. Well, Nelson uh, and Lang are the important ones. Let's be honest. Uh, Starks hasn't been a factor all year. I mean, he really just hasn't been. So the fact that Starks isn't playing, I think if Christine Michael might actually be a guy who can who can turn the tide and maybe be – the difference maker in this game, to be honest with you. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think without Nelson, it, it just makes it really hard. With the way that Rodgers is playing, I, I guess, obviously you don't keep them out of anything, but uh, give me, in terms of defense, what yardage does, do the Packers have to hold the Cowboys to, to, have a shot. Well, I don't I, see the yardage thing's misleading because the Packers gave up a lot of yards against the Giants, but kept Dallas out of the end zone. They have to have stops. I, I think they have to hold the. It, if they hold Dallas to two touchdowns, um, even if they end up say getting three or four field goals, but they hold them to two touchdowns, I think the Packers have a shot. If if Dallas converts their red zone opportunities to touchdowns, the Packers don't win this game. So I don't know that I can put a yardage number on it. It's about red zone stops and keeping Dallas out of the end zone. If they do that, win some of the battles up front against, as I mentioned, the best offensive line in football, they have a shot. But if they if they allow three touchdowns, you know, four touchdowns, they're done. They, they, they won't win a shootout in this one. I think Dallas' defense – was a little bit more stout, and without Jordy Nelson, I don't think the Packers are going to score 38. 
I think the Packers could get to 28 or 30, but they're going to have to hold Dallas under that, obviously, to beat them. So I don't know that yards matter as much as I, as I, as I think shorter drives and, and keeping them out of the end zone. Uh, do you have um, – let's see. You talked about Christian and Michael over there. Uh, I'm, I'm there. Um, uh, if – I mean, if the Packers lose, and based off all the hype they had, uh, and this is a, a, just a hypothetical, just talking out loud, how do you view the Packers' season if they lose, which, I mean, there's very well a good chance that they could lose, um, their their season? Based off of all the hype they had, uh, and granted they had that rough stretch, the Titans and and that, but how would in the Colts and but how would you view this season for the Packers? I I think you would say that Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy proved that when a chips are down, they can get it done, winning seven in a row. However, when you have a elite quarterback getting close to the twilight of his career. If you're not in at least the conference championship game or the Super Bowl, if you've got to look at it as a disappointment, there aren't a lot of Aaron Rodgers that just come along every year, every couple of years for a franchise. The Packers were blessed to have Favre and then Rodgers, but you aren't. It's unlikely you'll have another Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers finally retires. So if you're not competing for a Super Bowl with him as your quarterback, it can't be viewed as anything else but a disappointment. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, just, yeah, this based off all the hype and uh, and uh, just that the fact that the losses they had. I mean, they're you know they win you know one or two of those games. You're talking about a bye and right. during that rough stretch, and you're looking at the fact that this game, you know, season's completely turned around. Uh, I do feel the way that they're playing right now. If they can force those turnovers, and maybe it's even just the turnover battle with this Cowboys. If they can force a couple, you've seen you know Peppers and Matthews come up with some big ones some strip sacks, you have to uh, – that gives them the shot. If they can create those turnovers, and I always hear it's cliche, and it's something that you, you always talk about. Uh, if you win the turnover battle, you can usually win the games. But I, if, there was, if Wisconsin – or not Wisconsin. Green Bay can do that, uh, they definitely have a shot. Uh, but I, you mentioned it. Any, the red zone opportunities, they have to – it has to be a touchdown. Uh, they have to limit Dallas and those red zone opportunities to field goals to, to really have a shot down in Arlington. Yeah, any word of uh, the Cowboys receivers going to Miami this week or is that? No, certainly not, unfortunately. Uh, I did ask Rob Reichel on Twitter today if they've made the Odell Beckham, uh, you know, punch hole in the wall a part of the, with you know, the tours at Lambeau Field. I have not heard back and we have not heard confirmation of that, but uh, well, let me ask you this, okay? Yeah. There's, a, there's two sides of the coin to the Odell Beckham thing. There's people who say that's not the reason that, you know, it, it's your off day. If you, you could have been off in New York or off in Miami, what's the difference? And I mostly agree with that. However, the way you silence the people who are going to criticize you for going to Miami on your off day, you want to know how you do that? You don't drop balls. You don't run some bad routes. You don't perform the way you perform and then not expect to get criticized. Even if that had nothing to do with why you had your bad game, it's a bad look, man. What did you think was going to happen? It's your first playoff game, and you chose to do that and make it public. Fine, then take the backlash. Or win the game and 
stick it up everybody's behind, whatever it is. But you got to take the backlash if you play that poorly. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's one. To me, it's kind of hindsight. I, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, obviously, if they win, it's a different story. But you know, the, mm-hmm. the way he played, it wasn't great, and uh, they needed him to perform. A, in the passes that he dropped uh, was it one for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, and mm-hmm. uh, and one was a for a key first down and like on the first drive or something. It's a you have to make those plays. You get paid millions of dollars to make those plays. I will say that in terms of free time, pardon me, it's, it's hard to fault. They have, I mean, the fact of getting away for a little bit for the playoffs, for me personally, I, I can't criticize people what they, what they do on their, their time off on that. I will say that you have to expect as an athlete, you're a public, and this is just for every athlete, right? It's you're, you're a public figure and, it, and you're always going to be in the limelight. If you're going to do something like that and where you go down to Miami for the playoffs, and you know, you'll see that. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Tony Romo and like Jason Witten do that down back in the day too? Like where Grant, I think they were at a bye week instead of actually in the wild card. Um, yeah, but but the thing is, you're right. They're public all of a sudden, but they're the ones who tweeted it. If you want to go to Miami, quietly go to Miami and party and keep it off the internet. I mean, obviously it's hard to to control what other people post, but Giants players posted those pictures. You're asking for it when you do something like that. Agreed. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, it, I, you know, there's going to be a certain amount of backlash, and maybe they're self-confident enough with that. With, with that. Uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, but it's, um, it, it, you know, obviously, you know, Beckham probably should, you know, shouldn't be punching the balls. But you, know, you can tell there's a passion there, and and he's still young and and whatnot, I think he'll, hopefully he, you know, there's teaching lessons there with, I mean, it was reported that he did it, um, but yeah, it, it, they're public figures and they need to, you know, maybe, yeah, Grant, I don't know, like, would Aaron Rodgers do that during that? I mean, obviously he didn't uh, before that, but it's, I, I don't know, I, and here's, another, I guess, another part of it, too, is the, the New York media, too, where it's, you're obviously in New York compared to Green Bay. If, if Rodgers did that, with Green Bay, I don't know how much media run you'd get, but when you're in New York, everything you do is magnified, and when you head down to Miami, you're, you're in a media. Oh, no, there'd be enough. There'd be enough, because when the Packers were 4-10, and 10, everybody was talking about, oh, Aaron Rodgers is spending too much time in Hollywood, and Aaron Rodgers is hanging out with Olivia Munn, and if Aaron Rodgers studied his playbook instead of making these insurance commercials, which they were actually filmed in June, but we're just too silly to, to even consider that. And so it would still happen here. I mean, especially when your team's losing, uh, you know, let me shift gears for one second, right. because I don't know what's more embarrassing and people can hate me for this. All they want and bring it on. But Odell Beckham's performance on Sunday or the Packer fans petition about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Oh, um, gosh. That's, that's so irritating about the... It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's imba- Packer fans should be embarrassed because I know that's not the majority of fans doing it, but the fans that are doing you're embarrassing us. Stop it. You're dumb. Okay? First of all, I listen to those games critically. You know me. I'm a passionate Packer fan. I've always been. They are not Packer haters. Grow up. Secondly... Your petition will never have enough merit because they are the number one team for Fox. 
They will do the game Fox sends them to, whether Packer fans want to listen to them or not. We sound like a bunch of rubes, like a bunch of morons to have this petition. It's dumb. And I know that's harsh, but I'm calling if you if you are signing this petition, you're dumb. That's all. All right. What what's stupider, the the petition or the Chargers moving to San Diego? Now, former Badgers Melvin Gordon and Derek Watt Watt are uh, will be heading. Uh, they'll be moving to the OC. It looks like uh, I think the stadium's being built in Englewood. Uh, for, I think it's 2019, if I'm not mistaken. But they are in. Now, I'm looking at this, and SBNation.com, uh, the Chargers 2017 stadium, they're playing on campus uh, of a California campus. It is the – it's actually the MOS, uh, the mm-hmm. Subhub Center. And that's where it's uh, – yeah. and so I forgot how many – 25,000 seats. It's the – or it's the smallest, according to SB Nation, the smallest NFL stadium by about 25,000 seats. It's about know. the third the size of Jerry World. Yeah, it, but, it's it's for one year though. Listen, I don't I, I feel bad in a way because I thought I liked the Chargers, it's traditional. But you know, the Spanos family tried. They tried, they delayed the, the, the chance to move and opt out last year because they thought a stadium could get built. And you know, it, you, there's two sides of the coin. I know people are gonna say, Well, money like that shouldn't go to these athletes and these millionaires. Fine. You can you can believe that and you can feel that way and it's okay. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think any side's wrong. You're entitled to that opinion. However, when you have the opportunity to move somewhere where there is a brand new spanking stadium, even though you're sharing it, and, and, and you as a city and as a community didn't pony up the money to build a stadium and keep a team there. And I'll tell you what, Qualcomm is, a, is garbage. It's a garbage stadium. It's not like people thinking, well, it's only 20 years old. No, that thing's old and ready to go. Okay, so you had a chance. San Diego had a chance to save that franchise. It's not like the Colts who left in the middle of the night and surprised their their, their city and, and left them high and dry. That's not what this is. This is a, a an owner who tried to get things done and the, didn't have the backing of the community, and it stinks for Charger fans. You know, the good news is L.A. is two hours away. It's no different than going to Green Bay if you're a Milwaukee fan. But it's still it, – it, it hurts. I get it. You lost your franchise. I do feel bad. I really do. But you had a chance. And, and the vote uh, – the, the vote on the election for the stadium got – it was beat soundly, like 57 to 43. It wasn't even close. So the city spoke. The community spoke. And, you know, you, people went out and voiced their opinion, and that's the, what they're entitled to do in this country. But they chose no, and the Chargers made a business choice at that point, and they moved the franchise. So it's going to take a little getting used to. I'm old, but I'm not old enough to remember the L.A. Chargers. So uh, I've never <laughs> seen the Chargers anywhere but San Diego. So it stinks, but – it was a business decision, and I think unlike some of these other moves that were made, Spanos and his family did everything they could to work out something and stay in San Diego. I think that's what they would have preferred to do, but they needed it to do that under the guise of a new stadium, and it didn't happen. Now, sticking with the, the Chargers, too, it looks like, according to uh, ESPN, a source of ESPN, Josina Anderson, that former Buffalo Bills interim head coach uh, Anthony Lynn is they're planning the Chargers are planning to hire Lynn as their next head coach. 
Uh, and that's what Team Source tells Adam Schefter from ESPN. And then the deal is unofficial but in the works, according to Josina Anderson. So you have apparently two, you know, new head coaches with within the NFL uh, in Los Angeles. And, and I mean, Lynn, you know, was former running back, Texas Tech, had uh, played in the NFL at running back, but also, uh, you know, was running backs coach in the league with the Jaguars, Cowboys, Browns, Jets before uh, becoming the GOC over in Buffalo. But then you also have, now this is, this is the interesting part too, they, the Rams uh, on the opposite mm-hmm. side there make, uh, who is it, uh, Sean McVay. Is their new head coach replacing Jeff Fisher, and mm-hmm. youngest head coach, thirty years old, yeah. born in nineteen eighty six, Scotty. I that makes me feel old. And they, to I'm going to go. I'm going to tell you this. He's not only the youngest head coach to ever coach in the, to be a head coach in the NFL. That that I don't think that record will ever be beaten. He'll be the youngest head coach in the history of the NFL as long as the NFL is a league. I don't think you'll ever see a 29-year-old head coach. In fact, if he falls flat on his face, you may never see a 35-year-old head coach again. So um, I think this is historic, but it's also kind of an anomaly because I don't, I don't think the trend is going to be to hire 30-year-old head coaches. Right. I mean, the one thing that's interesting, I mean, they were looking for an offensive mind where you have, like, the number one overall pick in Jared Goff. And with Jeff Fisher, mm-hmm. that just the offensive system wasn't in mind. That's why it was interesting. Yeah. Peter King, back in December, had mentioned the fact that Paul Chris name he had a report saying Paul Chris might be someone from the college rinks they'd be looking at because they want someone an offensive mind to tutor, you know, Jared Goff. Uh, and it, you know, it's a uh, we'll see how it works. And McVay obviously worked with Kirk Cousins as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins uh, and. It, it's really just uh, it'll be intriguing to see what they what they do and you know the Redskins you know in this ESPN report uh, you know they average three hundred almost three hundred seventy two yards uh, per game in, in McVay's three years there and you saw the development of Cousins so uh, and according to Schefter too Adam Schefter Wade Phillips has agreed to become the Rams defensive coordinator which is really uh, I mean, it could, it, trying to shape things up, this could be really interesting with, with some of that defensive line they have there. Yeah, I like the Phillips hiring. So while we're on the NFL, let's talk about the rest of the games this week. Uh, let's, I'm not going to talk about New England, Houston. While I don't think New England's going to cover that spread, they're easily going to win that game. The two games of interest, other than the Packer game, of course, how much of a chance do you give Seattle to beat Atlanta? Is Atlanta hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype in any year that they've made the playoffs uh, since their Super Bowl run almost 20 years ago. And uh, Kansas City-Pittsburgh could be the best game of the weekend. Your thoughts on both of those games? I mean, uh, I think this is the year that – I don't know, just the way Seattle's played, and yeah, they beat Detroit, but – Without Earl Thomas, it, it's one of those things where I like to see, I mean, seeing what Matt Ryan's done passing for almost uh, 5,000 yards this year, uh, the fact that they have, you know, uh, Freeman who carried the ball for almost 1,100 yards and 11 rushing touchdowns, and Julio Jones, only six touchdown passes, or receptions this year, but 83 catches over 1,400 yards. I, I, I think Atlanta moves on, and uh, just because I don't think that defense for Seattle – uh, and also the offensive line for, for Seattle, uh, for the Seahawks. 
I, I don't know what they can really. I don't know if they'll be able to hold, keep you know Russell Wilson upright or keep him actually like contained and comfortable there. I'd say when you look at uh, just looking at the two game AFC matchups, I just I just don't trust Brock Osweiler. Uh, I think New England rolls, and Casey and Pittsburgh. That's you know. Is it weird to think that I like Pittsburgh in that? I mean, I like, I mean, I like Kansas City, but Pittsburgh, you know, you have Mike Tomlin, you have Ben Roethlisberger having that playoff experience. Obviously, Andy Reid does too, and the Chiefs were there last year uh, underneath his guys. But um, I mean, I think maybe Kansas City in a close one uh, on, uh, yeah, on, on Sundays because they're at home. But I could see the Steelers doing it too. Yeah, I think the Steelers have a shot. I really like them. I'm picking them to win. Um, the only thing is I think Hill could be, for Kansas City, could be a, a game changer if he's able to make a couple of plays. But, you know, it's not weird to think because I still think, you know, all things being equal, I like Kansas City's defense, but the offense for Pittsburgh has been on a roll. And I still don't know that if he put a game in the hands of Alex Smith as far as a big game, a game that could lead you one step closer to the Super Bowl. I just still don't see it. Um, I did have a dream matchup, though, of if Kansas City and Green Bay make it to the Super Bowl, it would be Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers. And there's all the talk about how Smith was taking over Rodgers and Mike McCarthy's the one who convinced the San Francisco to take Smith over Rodgers. And so that would be a great story we'd hear over and over and over again for two weeks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so no, I mean, I, so, I mean, so you're predicting just to confirm, you're taking Steelers over Chiefs, you got New England over mm-hmm. Houston, you got mm-hmm. Atlanta over Seattle. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me to see Seattle win, but I'm going to stick with Atlanta in this one. Yeah. And then you have Dallas over Green Bay. Yeah. And I, well, might as well go right into it before we end with other stuff. I'm going to pick Dallas 34-24 on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to say Green Bay comes with the upset. I don't know. I got a feeling. Uh, we'll see if it's uh, – hopefully it's not the stomach bug that my family received earlier this week. But I'm going to say if we, if Green Bay can score, I think, above 30 points, they'll win. I, that's, that's a feeling that I have. If, if Rodgers can outgun the Cowboys, I mean, the best defense is, is a good offense for them right now. Uh, if Wisconsin, no, Wisconsin, Green Bay can get a couple of turnovers, I think they, they, they can pull it off. I'll say – um, there they go, thirty-seven, thirty, over the Cowboys. Uh, wow. New England roll, yeah. New England rolls, I think, forty. Yeah, you mean, yeah. Forty to fifteen or forty to eighteen? No, not eighteen. Uh, forty to seventeen. And Atlanta, I'll say, I'll go thirty-four, twenty-four there. And Kansas City, uh, I'll say twenty-seventeen, Kansas City. I don't care what the score is in the Packer game win or lose, some Yahoo and Marinette's going to be mad at Joe Buck for something. So, <sighs> What's the over-under on uh, – all right, all right, over-under on the amount of – or what's, what's – is, is it 1.5 number of mentions Joe Buck or Troy Aikman make about that petition or not? Or is it 0.5? Do you think they mention it? No. Uh, no, because they, cause they know by acknowledging it, they're just playing into the stupidity. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, heading into 
talk uh, anything else with the NFL. Oh, I mean, a couple of things. And by the way, quick. by the way, real quick, my last thing on Joe Buck. People ask me what I think of him. I still like Al Michaels and, and, and a little bit better, and I like Mike Tirico better than them all, but I still think of the networks that aren't NBC, of the network play-by-play guys, he's the best. There's a reason why he's on a number one team, for Fox. And Aikman, he's fine enough. I mean, he says some smart stuff. He says some football cliche stuff. That's what you get for most color guys. So I, I have no issues with either one of them. Yeah. No, I don't either. I, I think it's stupid. That's my – yeah, I'm, I'm with you where it's just a stupid thing and people are just idiots. Uh, not, I'm going to call them idiots. And you know what? If they it's want, going, I'll say what? They could go back to the days where the Packers were so bad they'd get the number seven or number eight team. Two guys – Two. you want to talk bad announcing. You want bad announcing. Fine. You want bad announcing, um, I don't know, B, Tampa Bay versus um, uh, Tampa Bay versus Jacksonville on a week six matchup someday. You want bad announcing, be those teams. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, and real quick, too, for NFL talk, uh, we forgot to mention this earlier, Ryan Ramchick, uh, report by those, uh, was it the Stevens Point Journal, uh, and then he confirmed it. Uh, by a Twitter and also through UW Badgers. He is leaving for the NFL, and obviously he had the, the hip procedure uh, done, the hip, uh, and it reports, according to Bob McGinn, in his article a couple weeks back, mentioned a four-month period uh, that he'd be off, but uh, Bramchick had mentioned in, in one of the articles, I think it was UW Badgers, that, uh, or possibly the Stevens Point Journal, that it wasn't as bad of a surgery uh, as, he, as the doctor had thought. But you're talking about Ramchek, uh, and you're looking at some of the thing, some things going on there. I think there was one report, I think it was Fox Sports that had, I think it was Fox Sports earlier in the day, had him going number seven to the Chargers. The Chargers, which uh, he joined those guys. Uh, he joined, uh, what should we call it? Yeah, he joined. Um, Gordon Watt out there, but that's a, a that, that, I don't know if he's a number seven pick overall, but uh, no, he is. He has I don't a first know that he's great. Yeah, but, he's a first rounder, and 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 I think the hip thing scares, would scare me if I were him. Not scare me because it's going to impact my career, but what if I don't come out, and what if I'm all the way healed, but maybe I don't have as great of a year, and then people are going to say, boy, maybe that hip slowed him down. Like really coming back the Badgers would only, I think, only hurt his draft status. I think it makes the most sense for him to move on to the next level. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you. I, you have a first-round grade. You're an All-American, consensus All-Big Ten. You're grading out great. I mean, okay, I know pro football focus. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Uh, but graded out consistently as one of the best on the team throughout the season. Uh, yeah, you take that ball and you run with it. Take that ball and you know, you have a first round grade. That's millions of dollars that you're going to be able to have, a, you know, live off of later on. Uh, and he has, a, he has the ability to be the next great player. And his story is remarkable. Going from, you know, being offered by Pitt but didn't go there, went to Minnesota State, came back home to the point, was trying to be a welder. Next thing you know, he, bump, he bumps up and you're looking at uh, you know, going back to B3 for Stevens Point. Goes up to when Chris comes back, comes to Wisconsin, sits out a year. Becomes their best lineman, and, and what he's done this year has been remarkable. I I don't know if it. I, I don't. I, I mean, number seven. I mean, 
who knows if he's the starting left tackle for however many years, uh, you know, 10, 10, 12 years, he'd be, you know, I think he could be worth it. Uh, but, you know, and people were wrong about Travis Frederick back in the Cowboys when they drafted him back in the 2013 NFL draft. And look what he's done. He's only been the best center in the NFL uh, and, you know, a pro bowler now. So, um, but he, he has the opportunity to make a big impact and he's the next great uh, in line uh, to in line to be the next great Wisconsin lineman to make an impact in the NFL with the Joe Thomas and the Fredericks. Uh, and, you know, and Rick Wagner for the uh, Ravens right now doing doing his thing too. So uh should be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, T.J. Watt also leaving uh, for the NFL, and can't blame him there. I think he's going to test out really well in the combine based on his athleticism. Um, do you want to touch on Bucks for, for a second, Scotty, or what do you want to finish up with? Well, yeah, you know, the Bucks big win in San Antonio without Giannis. I mean, he played nine minutes, but was unable to finish that game. Um, Giannis still looks like he's a, a starter in the All-Star game. We'll see as, as we get closer to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they could, you know, they're a game above and um, fighting it for a playoff spot. And as long as they continue the trajectory, they're a playoff team and, are they the three seed or are they the eight seed? I mean, right now it could go either way. I, I don't think they'll catch Cleveland, and I think Toronto's got enough distance unless they had something major collapse. But, you know, they could be as, as good as the third best team in, in the East, and they could be an eight or nine, really, I mean, if things collapse for them. But uh, it's still early to tell, but, you know, Giannis has been incredible. Some of the other players, Brogdon's been amazing. If you didn't see the article about Brogdon uh, earlier today, um, about what a steal he's been for the Bucks. I mean, they needed that considering Middleton being done for most of the year. They continue to play well. And, again, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not – I mean, there's so many ticket specials, so I don't want to hear about price and how it's too expensive. There's a lot of great deals the Bucks are trying to put together to fill up that Bradley Center. Um, you're missing out. If you're not getting the games, you're missing out. Exactly. Um and so, yeah, right now you're looking at there's a the five seed. They are two and a half back right now of Atlanta, uh, but they are also literally a half game back of being out of the playoff picture, a full game back. Of the right. Uh, right. Right. That's so, yeah, a volatile Eastern Conference. Uh, even if they ended their they ended their season right now, they'd actually be the number eight seed from what it looks like in the West. Uh, which would, so I mean it, it's been a decent year uh, for the Bucks so far, and I mean they're still progressing. It's going to take a little while. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it'll be fun. This team is you know it's young. It's going to grow. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, so yeah. No, other than that. Um, Guys, stay tuned to Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, obviously, National Signing Day. That's Scotty's greatest uh, oh, day of the year. I know you love it, buddy. I know you love it, brother. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's a couple of weeks from now. Uh, and then you'll also okay. Actually, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say something because I'm not a huge golf guy. I respect the game. I know enough about it to talk about it. But I would rather watch a golf tournament. Uh, in January from Hawaii than National Signing Day. So I'm not even talking about like the one of the the 
uh, big four. One of the I'm not talking about the masters of the British. Open. I'm just I'll t- I'll watch the Waikiki Open before I'll watch National <laughs> Signing Day. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, we'll we'll keep you guys up to date like uh, about three weeks from now. Just keep that on your radar. We got some fun things coming. Uh, we also have. I will be talking obviously playoffs coming up next week. Packers, if they can move on. Uh, if yeah, not, so next week we'll either be talking about a Packer win or obviously a Packer loss and the rumors about perhaps a new general manager because I keep hearing rumors that Ted Thompson may step down. He's not going to get fired. He didn't do anything wrong. But I keep, the rumors keep getting stronger and stronger. And I've heard first I heard Elliot Wolf's name, and then I started to hear John Dorsey might be enticed back. But we'll see if that's true. But if it's going to happen, obviously it'll happen as soon as the Packers season officially ends. Packer fans are hoping that's in February, but if it's next week, who knows how quickly an announcement like that will be made. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, no, I know there's John Dorsey, there's talk, Elliot Wolf. We'll see um, how that all pans out. And, obviously, we'll talk uh, coming up soon down the road. You guys, think about it. Baseball, uh, spring training coming up in tomorrow. Lots the way coming up soon, and uh, that'll be I mean, obviously right. To, you know, sports. That's what I love about it. There's always something going on. We'll talk more bucks. See where they're at. Uh, anything else you want to finish up with, brother, before we take it home? Nope, that's it. I'm good. I'm ready to tap out. Ready to tap out. All right. On that note, guys, have a great week ahead. Enjoy uh, football this weekend. Uh, tune in to Bucky's fifth quarter for any new details we hear. Uh, from you know your Bruce Feldman talk about it, Scout.com had a great report on the Wilcox report from Ryan Gorsey. Uh, make sure you guys follow them and also follow us for more details. Our search, our defensive coordinator, uh, hot board, or what do you want to call it? Uh, Badger Blitz has one already up there. Our friends over there, John Veltice, John McNamara, but also check in with us, see uh, possible suggestions. Who could it be? Uh, Tim Tibisard, Jimmy Leonard, we'll see. And then, yeah, just uh, keep, stay tuned for that. And other than that, folks, take care. Dozovacenia, we'll see you next week for the Polish Rifle. Scott Wisniewski, this is Jake Kokorowski. Dozovacenia, my friends. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Record.